Hello, and welcome to another segment of Open House here at Community Media. This is where we bring people in that are making a big difference in the community, um, a strong part of uh, making our community a, a great place to live. And I am Raymond Galker here at Community Media. And, you know, when we look at our community, um, our community can be defined as a, a somewhat normal community. Um, we have our nonprofits who are making uh, a difference in helping us have a safe, thriving, and vibrant uh, experience. Uh, uh, we have the businesses that support those nonprofits so that they're able to do that. We have a strong government that are looking after the organizational needs to make the, the community grow. But you know, there's, there's, there's a part of, of Adams County and Gettysburg which sets us apart, and that is our history. And a vital part of our community is the National Park Service here at Gettysburg. And we have been working with the National Park Service here in order to uh, uh, celebrate that community uh, element and and grow that and we're lucky today to have uh, uh, Jason Martz with us who is the communication specialist Correct. for the National Park Service. Jason it is nice to see you Absolutely. and thanks for bringing your smile with you here today. So Happy to be here. Well, first of all, uh, tell, us, tell us about your position. What, do, what does a community, communication specialist do? A uh, communication specialist uh, for Gettysburg National Military Park and Eisenhower National Historic Site uh, covers a lot of ground, covers a lot of territory. Um, what I deal with is uh, what would be considered traditional media. So uh, talking to members of the press, uh, different TV, radio, newspapers, uh, folks like yourself here at Community Media, uh, write press releases, send those out. I'm, I'm the uh, contact person for really anyone, not just the media, but if anyone has uh, some big question that isn't necessarily um, visitor-related, visitor-specific about the battlefield or about the Eisenhower Farm, they all come to me. Um, I also uh, have uh, responsibility for both park websites, uh, although I do have a, a fair amount of help uh, with both of those, need that. Uh, the web is incredib incredibly important as far as getting information out to the visitors. Uh, all the social media platforms, photography, video, and anything that needs to be printed. Uh, I, I work with those. Uh, elements, uh, design things uh, for, for print publication, and then ultimately get those printed through uh, a number of different ways. So, so for me, communications is an offspring really of working with the public. And, and that just simply means, is it new type media, web or social media, video, or is it more traditional when, when you think of dealing with uh, TV or newspapers, uh, members of the media and so forth? So it's, it's a little bit of everything. And my days are never the same. And typically what I need to get done uh, needs to be done immediately or it's already due yesterday. Mm -hmm. that's, 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 my, uh, that's usually how my days and my weeks go. So um, you're like the 
pivot point between connecting the community with the National Park Service? Sure, you could say that. I think that's a safe thing to, to go with. And the other aspect, when you talk about the new medium, you know, which, you know, did you grow up with that, or? You know, I, I came up through the, the National Park Service uh, in the early days where there wasn't any of this, where, where social media really didn't exist, and, and uh, having a website was pretty foreign uh, in, in, the, in the early days. Uh, but as my career has gone on and uh, th through the years, first I picked up uh, working with uh, the National Park Service websites. Then I picked up a camera and I was able to work with photography. And then I pivoted over to video and, and was able to bring that element into uh, the website. Then social media took off and then all of that then got incorporated into that. So it's, it's been an ongoing process um, really not just for what my title is, and, and I haven't been a communication specialist my entire career. I've been with the Park Service about 23 years, and I spent about the first half of that being a park ranger. So I, I have that connection to the public and being able to communicate for them. But also, as my, again, my, as my career has gone on, I've, I've pivoted, as you mentioned, uh, to be able to not only uh, communicate specifically with the visiting public, but also with uh, the professionals, the the, the the media, the trained media and the press and so forth. So, it's, so it's, it's been an evolution and it continues to be that, I think, almost every day. That is exciting for you. And also it, it shows that uh, you have remarkable character. Uh, to be able to um, be flexible and have the interest to learn these technologies, um, it, that's not always the normal for a person, but you've seemed to uh, look at it as not only a challenge, but something fresh. Fresh? Uh, I'd also call it fun. I, I might be... Uh, one of those rare folks out there who really likes what they do. Um, and each, like I said, each day is, is different and there's an opportunity to learn something new or, or have a fresh idea and, and be able to take that idea and then make it work for whatever project is next. And maybe that idea isn't good for this project, but it might be good for the next one. And so I tuck that one away and save it for, for the next time. Okay, and you have a team to help you. No. <laughs> you no, are it. I am it. I am an office of, I am typically an office of one, uh -huh. um, but I do occasionally get some, some seasonal help with, the, uh, with interns, uh, usually uh, college students during the summer, but uh, yeah, most of the time it's just me. <laughs> that is awesome, that's exciting and crazy. Yes. I tried to call, um, connect with you first in, in July with Jason and uh, not realizing, or, or I should have realized that, you know, <laughs> that, that's basically your most busiest season. And uh, um, you don't have a lot of people and they're, the people that you do have 
uh, like you have interns, but even the park service itself, the people that you do have, it, it's like game time. Everything is mm -hmm. on, mm -hmm. and uh, th that's exciting. I think it's a great opportunity um, for the park service and the community to have an individual like yourself who spent 12 or so years as a park ranger working with the individuals delivering the 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 message of the experience of Gettysburg and then to be able to use that to communicate um, you could you you couldn't find a person like that but they did but 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 the National Park Service is is I think unique that way there are a lot of jobs within the service that will allow someone I think use my case as as a case in point, where you can start going down one particular road, and then once you see how the uh, how the system works, and you realize, oh wow, I could I could go in this direction, or I could go in that direction, and still take all of that knowledge with you. And I think for me, that's what I've been able to do. Um, and the National Park Service is something that is is quite open to employees moving from one park to another. So you could go from a natural park to a cultural park and then back and forth and, and, and so forth. So there's the opportunity to broaden and really become an expert, not just in, in one thing, but maybe in multiple things, uh, tends to be a good thing. But it, I think it's maybe a double-edged sword in that you, in some cases, and, and my, I might be a good example of this, where there's a lot of things that maybe I'm, I'm good at, but I'm not an expert in anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm a jack of all trades, I, I think is maybe the best way to describe it. But that's, that's kind of the nature of the beast. But uh, yeah, it's, it's so fun. So you may be a jack of all trades, but you're wise enough to know enough to communicate with someone who may be a specialist in that area when you, when you need it. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think in, in that regard, um, that's, that helps me with the learning, learning something new almost each day, each week, you know, something along those lines, and, and picking up these, these nuggets, these, these threads, and being able to learn something different or see something from a brand new perspective. So the, the um, atmosphere, the um, community, uh, in the National Park Service um, seems to be uh, described the same by everyone that I uh, have a chance to talk to uh, that works for the, the Park Service. First of all, they love what they do. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I guess that, that comes with wanting to be a ranger, uh, just wanting to be a part of the National Park Service. Um, People gotta love it in order to pursue it. Mm -hmm. And it's not an easy part, a job to get, is it? it? It can be a very challenging world to get your foot in the door. Uh, but once you get your foot in the door, then again, that's, that's when you begin to see that even though you might wanna initially get your foot in the door going in one direction, there are lots of different opportunities and that's, that's where maybe moving around to different parks not only gives you different experiences because of the park that you move to, but also the job and the responsibilities changes from park to park. So I could be a communication specialist 
here in Gettysburg, but if I were to go to another, let's say a natural park, maybe a Grand Canyon or a Yellowstone, even though the core of my position might stay the same, I would have to learn a whole new set of details and specifics that I would need to be able to communicate to the public uh, just because those parks are so different and, and so unique. Um, and that's really the case with so many parks is that they're really unique and that they're, they're standalones. And there's, for instance, there's, there's, there are a number of Civil War battlefields and there are a number of historic uh, presidential homes when, when we're talking about Eisenhower, but there's only one Eisenhower home. There's only one Gettysburg battlefield. There's only one Gettysburg National Cemetery where Abraham Lincoln gave the Gettysburg Address. So there are certain things that are just so unique that you don't get that story anywhere else. And uh, if you were in that situation, you would have to rely on connecting with your colleagues in order to be able to tell those stories Absolutely. and identify those, mm -hmm. those uh, details. Um, Jason, did you spend time other than at Gettysburg? As in uh, As a park work, work, working in other, in other parks? Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Uh, many. <laughs> Where did you start? Um, well, uh, it, it's, a, it's a full circle story. Okay. Um, I started as an intern in 1996 here at Gettysburg. Okay. And that's when the light bulb for me went off and I realized, oh, I could do this for a living. What fun. Sign me up. Yeah. Right. Um, but I got my first uh, position in the National Park Service in Washington, D.C. at President's Park, which most people would know more uh, broadly as the White House. Uh, so we, this, this was at a time where the general public could take tours of the White House uh, most of the week. And so that's, we dealt quite a bit with uh, Washington, D.C. history, White House history, presidential history, but then also getting folks uh, the free ticket and, and getting folks lined up correctly and then getting them uh, in and out of the, the White House. So we worked very closely with the Secret Service in order to do that. Uh, then I moved to Fort McHenry in Baltimore. So I learned about uh, the War of 1812 and Francis Scott Key and the Star Spangled Banner and all of those elements. Uh, from there, I went to a small park in central Pennsylvania called Allegheny Portage Railroad, uh, which is the Pennsylvania version, if you will, of the Erie Canal in New York or the C&O Canal in Maryland. So there was a lot of transportation history. Uh, from there, I went back to DC to the National Mall, uh, which incorporates all of downtown DC where the, the general public is most familiar with when, when thinking about Washington, D.C. So we operated uh, and interpreted all of the major monuments and memorials, so the Washington Monument, the Lincoln Memorial, Jefferson Memorial, Vietnam, Korea, World War II, FDR. And when I was there, the uh, Martin Luther King Memorial was not there yet. I, I, I left before uh, that memorial was put in, but that's also a very uh, important and, and popular uh, place there in DC. And then I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. We talked about where I was at, 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 in a certain time frame where I was kind of moving uh, 
within the world of being a park ranger, but then moving into the world of uh, print design and website content and so forth. And I was asked to come to Manassas to help them get ready for their 150th anniversary of the Battle of First Manassas in 1861, which then would have been in 2011. And so I went out there and that morphed into helping almost all Civil War battlefields with their, I'll call it marketing. We don't have marketing within the National Park Service, but that's probably the easiest way to understand it. But helping lots of Civil War battlefields with their anniversary events uh, for, the one, for their 150th between 2011 and 2015, including Gettysburg. Mm -hmm. So I did that uh, for, for those years, and then that segued into uh, a permanent position at Gettysburg. At Gettysburg. So I've, I've been here in Gettysburg since 2015. So when you were um, uh, at Manassas, mm -hmm. learning web design, uh, did you have a team? Yes, for, for that I, I did wind up ultimately having a team. Uh, there were anywhere from one to four uh, on, my, on my team pretty consistently over the course of those four years. Now were you managing that team? Yes. And those end of, so like you guys were like trendsetters for the National Park Service. Kind of, yeah. So your team then branched out to other park service, uh, parks and, and did what you did, established their social media. Yeah, that was, that was, that was at, a, at, at the time that the National Park Service and the Department of the Interior were then beginning to authorize use of Facebook Twitter, um, YouTube, uh, and, and, and so on. And, and so we were building from the ground up uh, social media platforms as, as we went around to these different uh, anniversary events as we were prepping for it, mm -hmm. and then during, and then after. So would your team actually go to the different locations? Yes, yes. I, I happen to be maybe the, for those who are interested in Civil War history and, and being in certain places at certain times, uh, I was that guy who got to go around to almost all of the National Park Service Civil War battlefields during their 150th anniversary. So I hit maybe somewhere between 20 and 25 of those national parks. So, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like people who go different places and get bumper stickers. Mm -hmm. You could have that all over your car. You'd have 25 of them. I would, yes, absolutely. So, you know, uh, what an exciting time. What an exciting opportunity. What an exciting career. Yeah. And we're lucky enough that you landed here. Yeah, well, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So the Park Service, uh, you deal with their social media, but they also um, use... Uh, social media techniques in order to tell the story now too. They've advanced their ability to do certain things. Are you involved with that also? Oh sure, oh yeah. No, it's uh, again utilizing the, the techniques that are out there, the technology that's out there in, in a way to connect with audiences wherever they are. Um, some people get their information from web only. 
maybe their social media, uh, and, 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 they're, and they're very focused on, on utilizing social media. Um, so yeah, it, it just depends. Uh, what, what we have to do from, from my position and, and the folks that I work with uh, in other divisions across both parks is thinking very broadly because if, if we have something that we want to communicate to the public, we might have to do the same thing four or five different ways because those individuals that we're trying to reach may not be on one platform, but they might be on another one. So, so we, we have to maybe do the same thing multiple times in order to, to reach as many people as realistically possible. And now let's complicate it a little bit. Now you, and time-consuming, right? Time-consuming, and and you have to be able to reach, let's call it the norm, and then those who might have some type of uh, um, deficit, a hearing deficit, sure. um, reading, or or things like that. Mm -hmm. But okay, so that's connecting with the co the um, community, but in the experience of going to Gettysburg itself you have certain digital platforms to tell the story. Mm -hmm. And you also have different platforms, I think, that exist so you don't have to come to the park service in order to experience some of that story. Mm -hmm. You involved in the, some of that? Yes. Okay, all, so all the a, above. It's the same question I asked before, just you know, me trying to get clarification. Nice, nice and busy. Yeah, oh yeah, it, it's... it's uh, Again, with, with, with technology, if you don't keep up with it, you get left behind. So it, it's very important to maintain some level of knowledge <laughs> as far as that's concerned for fear of being left behind. And, and it doesn't wait for you. The technology doesn't wait. So is there one project that you're working on as far as being able to connect right now um, that you're honing or something that you could share? We, I think what, what we are, what we have come to the conclusion of is that even though we are able to do certain things and we are, we have the, some of the equipment maybe, we don't have the time or the expertise to do everything as well as we would like. And so uh, with the help of community media, uh, you are the folks that we ask to come in to help with the live stream of this uh, past Dedication Day, November 19th, uh, which is the anniversary of Lincoln's Gettysburg Address and the dedication of the Soldiers National Cemetery. And having that connection with yourself and community media, uh, as, as well as a number of other platforms that we're connecting with based on um, being able to hit those different layers. Uh, you know, we're we're, we're, we're thrilled to be able to work with uh, the local entities to be able to help us because we also realize that we can't be everywhere at once and we can't be experts at everything. So if we can reach out uh, and, and, and call you up and say, hey, we've got a project that we would love to be able to broadcast to the world, uh, whether it be through web or social media, whatever the case may be, we can't do it. We need to. We need to turn to folks like yourself. Well, we're really anxious to uh, develop this relationship with you, uh, not only in streaming but in productions. Mm 
and uh, we've talked already about some possible uh, opportunities and in 2024 uh, in, a, in a partnership with the uh, Park Service and other organizations like Destination Gettysburg and, and that, um, you know, it's like you're saying, it's, it's, it's about building a network. Yes. I mean, do you try to do everything yourself? Do you try to get all the equipment yourself? Everything, all those layers, you're almost going to have to hire people or do you take and uh, make the community more, more rich, you know? Well, that's, that, that I think was the conundrum, is that we were attempting to deal with all of these layers on our own. And it got to the point where we had to sit back and, and a number of us talked. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and we basically all came to the same conclusion that as much as we would like to do it, we just can't. And, and, and so some of these streaming uh, scenarios and, and just Having, having the equipment and having the knowledge, there again, you can only go so far before the dam, you know, the dam breaks. Mm -hmm. And, and we, we kind of got to that point you're where- You're putting your finger in the dike, huh? Yeah, we, well, <laughs> one here and one here and one here. <laughs> and, and your toes, here. huh? Toes too. Uh, so yeah, we, 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 had to, we had to admit to ourselves that we could not uh, provide the best quality or quantity for that matter uh, in, in certain arenas and, and that's where uh, working with uh, community media is going to definitely help us in the future. And, and we're lucky here at community media to have Mark Worley as uh, our station manager and Sean Garrett uh, as uh, his assistant and, and um, volunteers and, and constantly looking for people who want to learn media so uh, they, they might have a chance to work with the, the Park Service through us. Yes. Um, you know, uh, our, uh, when we sat down and we, we started to look at what we were going to talk about, uh, we haven't hit much of that yet because, uh, <laughs> but, you know, Jason, um, uh, you were a student, uh, I guess, at, at Gettysburg College. No. No. No, I, I went to Frostburg State University in Frostburg, Maryland. And then you had your internship from there? Then I, then I had my internship here in Gettysburg. Wow. Yeah, so, so, so yeah, the... Yeah, I just I, I normally didn't, I didn't, yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't make the, uh, the local connection uh -huh. from Gettysburg College or, or uh -huh. uh, anywhere close to here. I was... And to be mature enough at that age in your early 20s to uh, realize that this is something that you wanted to do. Were you a history buff or? Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely, uh, I realized in high school that I really liked history and I was really good at it. I just wasn't sure what I was gonna do with it. Um, and that was a, one of those aha moments mm -hmm. when, when I uh, came here to Gettysburg to do my internship here. And that's, that's when I knew where I needed to go. So this was your purpose? I think so. And you did a, such a great job, not only for our community, but for all the state parks, all the national parks. National parks I mean. yeah. And uh, the exciting is you learned all that. You were on the forefront of developing these techniques. And, um, you know, Jason, uh, community media is in the process of doing a documentary on our local nonprofits. 
And the one thing that we find out is our local nonprofits, uh, the people who run those uh, could easily be working as CEOs and, and businesses and making a lot of money. And they're very intentional and they're very strategic. And in that intentionality and their strategies, they, they network and work together towards a purpose. And it sounds like that is what the Park Service is doing. Their goal moving forward is to do that intentional strategic mm -hmm. networking. And we are so blessed to be part of that. So let's get to the, as you said, the elephant in the room. Yeah, yeah. You know what could that be? Yeah, Ray. Well, we're looking. <laughs> you know, uh, we're looking at. Uh, you know, you take a Sunday drive where you come to Gettysburg, and there's certain parts where you want to go but you can't, because uh, uh, the Park Service is constantly trying to make the experience better. Better, and this one deals with Little Round Top. Correct. Um, what? has been done there oh, let's start with that what has been done yeah the 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 biggest issues that surrounded the area of little round top was wear and tear um, it is um, by all accounts uh, there was a 2017 study done uh, to help us steer this information uh, and that study uh, came back with information that unequivocally Little Round Top was the single most visited location on the Gettysburg battlefield. And basically nine out of 10 people, uh, a little bit more than nine out of 10 who come to Gettysburg went to Little Round Top. So if you, if you take the averages, and, and the numbers are a little bit skewed uh, of, of late due to the pandemic and so forth, but let's, let's say historically over the past 30 or 40 years, there have been roughly 1 million visitors to Gettysburg National Military Park every year. Nine out of 10, so 900,000 people every year for decades have, have, have walked and visited and absorbed what Little Round Top is. And it, it showed. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> the, the issues at Little Round Top were crumbling in infrastructure. Uh, there were elements, quite frankly, that just weren't safe. Uh, erosion had taken a major toll on the landscape. Uh, and there were certain instances where the erosion had gotten so bad it was beginning to undercut uh, some of the walking paths. and. Although it never really got close enough, the worst one was beginning to undercut and get close enough for us to be nervous uh, that it was getting undercutting one of the monuments. Mm -hmm. So safety was an issue, uh, resource protection, that's natural resources, so the, so the erosion, uh, the, the cultural resources, which are the monuments and, and the plaques and, and, and the cannons. Um, and then the issue with accessibility. There, there really wasn't any. So, so if you came to Gettysburg and, and you had any mobility issues, 
or, or for that matter, even strollers. You know, mom and dad mm -hmm. taking, taking the little ones uh, and, and trying to visit little round top of strollers was even difficult. There was very little built in, baked in from, from decades in the past that addressed accessibility. And so those folks really didn't have the opportunity to have the same experience. And although we're not in the business necessarily of completely altering the landscape, the battlefield, what, what did the soldiers see? What, what did they stand on? What ground did they stand on? So that we, we're, we're in a difficult position where we want to maintain as much of that as realistically possible, but over here, make it as accessible as realistically possible. So we think, we believe that with this rehabilitation project for Little Round Top, that we will be able to address those issues of safety, uh, resource protection, and accessibility. So that, that's really what it comes down to. And uh, the process has taken a little longer than, than we had hoped, but we feel that this extra time has been very well spent and that we won't need to do this kind of project again for a very long time. So we're, we're hoping that with this we have addressed those issues and then we can sit back and, and the visitors can come back and, and enjoy that space again. So you want to do it right. We want to do it right. We, we realize that, that this is a moment in time where we have an opportunity to get into the weeds, go through the area with the finest toothed comb that we can, and hit everything. Realistically, everything. And, and, and bring that space back to what the soldiers would have experienced and, and, and what they would have walked away from on July 3rd or July 4th and July 5th when, when the soldiers started to, to move on and move out of Gettysburg. So what they left behind is as close to what we want the visitor to be able to see and experience. Not only that, tell that part of the story, but also tell the story of what the soldiers themselves came back to years later and why their monuments are placed in certain locations and, and how that monument construction, quite frankly, maybe they altered the way that that landscape is situated. Mm -hmm. um, and there are some things that we learned along the way that we really didn't know before. So this, this project has not only allowed us to do all those rehabilitation elements, but we've learned quite a bit about not necessarily the battle, but what has happened to the Little Round Top, Little Round Top landscape since then. And the, the biggest example of that is the, the 44th New York Monument. And, and, and folks will probably recognize that uh, as the, what's commonly called the castle mm -hmm. okay, on, on the south end. When, when we needed to go in and the, and the construction contractor went in to uh, build a new retaining wall that would then hold ultimately the uh, accessible walkways uh, around that area, they needed to dig down a certain depth in order to get proper depth in order to build the foundation up. Um, and we got, when we, when they got down deep enough, and, and our, we have archeologists 
plastered over over the area. So, so let me be very clear: a a shovel does not touch the ground unless the archaeologist is there. Mm -hmm. Okay, that they, they those two things go go hand in hand, and that has been the case every day. So. We're covering all of all of the historic bases that we absolutely have to. Um, but they got down to a certain depth, and the color of the dirt changed dramatically, and the nature of what they were digging through changed dramatically. Meaning, the top layer was kind of a fill stuff. It was added. It, it, it was it was all added stuff. Um, this was dirt, this was rocks, this was all kinds of fill. Mm -hmm. Not native to Little Round Top. And then when they broke through and got a couple more inches down, it got very, the soil got very dark and it was soil, not this fill, and it was light colored. And we realized at that point how drastic the foundation of the castle, the 44th New York, really was, and that what we're seeing in modern times and what we've been, what visitors have seen and, and uh, experienced for decades, you know, well over 100 years, they've been walking on fill that was probably three or four feet high on top of act the actual little round top space where the soldiers actually stood. So, so, so that, that discrepancy... So what do you do of, with that? It was kind of a mind-blowing scenario to realize that where the ground is today uh -huh. and where it was in 1863 were two very different things. Are you looking at three feet, four feet? Yeah. yeah. So do you remove that to bring it back to the way it was? or We, we can't because the, when, when the soldiers came back, to the battlefield to dedicate, you know, build the, the structure that they would then dedicate to their regiments. That's history. That's history. That that was that was the soldiers' decisions to do that, and, and we're not going to change what the men who were actually here, mm -hmm. what they saw, what they experienced, that they died for. Um, we're not going to change what they did. So, in that case. We, we take pictures, we document everything, but then we, we can't take that dirt away because that's the foundation of for the, tower. Uh, for, for the, for the monument. Yeah. yeah. So, so no, we couldn't take it away even if we wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, but we also don't want to. Mm -hmm. um, that's not, you know, we, we want to leave everything as relatively untouched as possible uh, so that we don't we don't want to break new ground if we don't have to. If it's already been disturbed over the course of the history of the battlefield and, and the various elements that have operated what we call Gettysburg National Military Park, then that's a, that's a different story. If it's already disturbed, you know, we document that, but we know that we're not digging in a space that hasn't already been disturbed. Mm -hmm. But this was a case, this was, a, this was different. So that, that's, a, that's kind of the extreme example mm -hmm. of realizing only then, when we had the opportunity and, and the work was continuing. So yeah, it, it's, there, there, were, there were some of those examples. So you have the, 
the chore of uh, bringing a construction crew in to do some of these things. Mm -hmm. And then you have um, some of your staff that work with those individuals. Yes. Some of them actually jump in there and get their hands dirty. Absolutely. And, uh, and then you have the engineering of, okay, we got to make this accessible mm -hmm. to uh, um, handicapped uh, baby carriages. Uh, yeah. um, the, there's a big list. Uh, so then it has to be engineered of, you know, based on what you have what is acceptable, mm -hmm. and uh, um, and you're going to do it right, and you are doing it right, and it's taking time, mm -hmm. so we need to be patient, yes, and it'll be well worth it, um, and um, where are we? We uh, we have been saying for some time now that we anticipate opening Little Round Top in spring of 2024. Um, and we, we're, we're still on that. So I, I, I would say that we're on schedule for that. But when, when I say spring, when we say spring of 2024, that would be the, the season of, of spring. So what is that? Uh, yeah. April, May, June mm -hmm. timeframe, I think is, is, the, is the three month window. Mm -hmm. So I think, we're, I think we're still solidly there. Good. Um, however, and I wanna make this very clear, that that date, that range, is lightly written in pencil. Well, there's certain things you have no control over. Uh, Mother Nature mm -hmm. uh, is, is where I'm going with that, mm -hmm. yeah. If, if we actually have a real winter, which we haven't for a number of years, uh, that could set that back mm -hmm. because they can't, some of the things that they need to do if we have two feet of snow, can't, they can't work. And you gotta wait till it leaves. Gotta, gotta wait until it leaves, gotta wait until they have time, or, or collectively we and them have time to get the snow out of the way. Uh, ice storms, you know, there, there's all kinds of things that Mother Nature could throw at this project mm -hmm. that, would, that would slow it down. We've been lucky so far. So far. So uh, along with the improvements that you're doing there, are you doing anything to enhance the experience that did not already exist. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> One of the things, I'll, 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 there, there are two prime examples here. One of which is pulling one of the strings that we just talked about, um, not just the accessibility, but also uh, the safety um, and, and the resource protection. There are lots of monuments at Little Round Top, and there really weren't established trails for the public to get from point A to point B. So they created their own. Um, those are what we dub social trails that the public needs to get and wants to get from here to here. They made their own trails and they typically will go in a very straight line. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, that's the shortest point, shortest way to get between two points. And they typically would also go straight up and down a hill. Um, you wear out a, a path like that over time, and that's when the erosion really starts. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's one of the major issues that we had. So we've been able to uh, combine the need for the public to get to those monuments, all of them, with a new uh, trail system. Uh, in many cases, that's not accessible, but it's now permanent. 
and, and, it, and it's made uh, so that it, it, is, it is something that we can maintain, uh, but it's also a safe space for people to walk, even if the pitch is, is pretty steep so in, let's in look some at, cases. Let's look at human nature. Mm -hmm. I'm going down a pathway. Yes. And B, where I want to go, mm -hmm. I can get off that pathway and and just walk at it. Mm -hmm. Did you take that in consideration? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Every every path um, had essentially been chosen for us. Right. So so we didn't we didn't have to choose them. We just had to make them permanent. So you took what people by nature would take, and you made them permanent. Absolutely. That yeah. was that was easy. I mean, not easy, but uh, it 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 helped eliminate some of the possibilities where right. we didn't have to think too hard about it. Uh -huh. They they the public said to us indirectly through the use of these social trails, social mm -hmm. paths. This is where we want to go. This is it. This is how we need to get here. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's let's go with that. And so we did, but we made them. They're safe now. Uh, they're made out of material that is that we can replace when when needed. Um, it's a it's a it's a stabilized. It's called stabilized aggregate. Um, so it's a mix of two sizes of stone, uh, really small and then a little bit larger. It's kind of mixed in a 50-50 mix. It's laid down in in some cases as much as four or five inches thick, um, depending on where it is on the hill and, and the pitch. Uh, but then basically an adhesive. Um, that kind of looks and acts like Elmer's glue is sprayed on uh, with a basic, what looks like a garden hose, and it's, it's kind of worked in with a push broom. And that's applied maybe four or five times as well to get it worked through uh, as, as much of that surface as possible. And when it solidifies, it's, it's a pretty solid surface. Um, and we're told that it should last you know, a year or two. And that's what you're <clears throat> walking on. That's what you're walking on. So, and, and not only that, but we also chose the color of that stone. Which was? It's, it's, a, it's a brown that matches the earth, the soil color of the little round top area very closely. Mm -hmm. So it looks natural. Okay. So, so, so it doesn't look like it's out of place. Mm -hmm. It's not pink or blue or, or, or some or, or or it's yeah. So it's so it's not that solid either. Mm -hmm. um, it's not necessarily permeable, but we also have dealt with this the issues of, of water runoff and, and erosion by placing what are known as water bars. If if you go hiking at a at a state park or maybe on the Appalachian Trail, typically these water bars are placed in, in steep sections of the trail with logs. And, and they're kicked off at maybe 100, you know, not 90 degrees, maybe 120 degrees, just to channel the water away mm -hmm. from the trail so that the trail itself doesn't erode. Well, we've kind of taken that same, uh, same idea, but using native stones from Little Round Top itself. So, so yeah, it, we're re we, we've done a lot of recycling as well. So the construction project has then given us an opportunity to place things where they need to go uh, for the longevity of the project, uh, but everything's natural. Everything, everything came from the little right. round top, yeah. So we, we're, we recycled quite a bit. Jason, uh, 
There's a lot we could talk about. I mean, I'm, this is very enjoyable for me, you know, and, and I'm, I'm sure we all are enjoying it too. Uh, real quickly, as you know, um, we need to have you come back. You know. Sure. Uh, what is the mission of the National Park? Uh, the mission of the National Park Service is to preserve and protect uh, the natural and cultural resources for the enjoyment of the public. Um, so it's, it's, a it's a pretty straightforward uh, mission statement. Um, and we, we, we take it very seriously that that's, uh, you know, in, in, in many cases, when, when visitors go to a, let's say, a natural park. You know, I, I would think of a natural park as Acadia in Maine, right along the coast, or Grand Canyon, Yellowstone, um, Everglades in Florida. Um, and then there's cultural parks, uh, which is, most people would think of like a Gettysburg or an Eisenhower, um, different forts and, and things like that. Um, but we have a very, very balanced mix in both of these parks that is as important culturally as it is naturally. And so that's something that we take very seriously per the mission of the National Park Service, even though maybe <clears throat> in many cases the visitors come here thinking about the cultural stuff, mm -hmm. um, the monuments, uh, the plaques, the, the barns, the houses um, over at Eisenhower, you know, his, his home and, and his vehicles and all the books and, and stuff that was, that was in his library and everything that was in Mamie's kitchen and, and things of that nature. But it's all placed in a very natural setting here in Adams County. So it's, it's, we, we also take the natural side of uh, both parks very seriously. So you have the, the intellectual and the emotional part, which is somewhat the cultural part, but the sense, the sensory, um, the environmental, um, <laughs> beautiful land. Yes. It is a beautiful land. And uh, Adams County is, is particularly very varied in its, its uh, landscape. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, there's a few things that you have coming up. Uh, I'd like to get into it yeah. in detail, but, but we can't. Okay. Um, because, um, you know, we started this Wednesday morning. Probably it's Thursday by now. <laughs> you know? But uh, um, what are some things that you, you have coming up uh, for, for the winter to, that would uh, yeah. be, you have some interesting things coming up yeah, we to really appeal do. to a variety of, of people. One of the things that, uh, that the public has really taken to uh, year after year is, a, is the winter lecture series. And, and that starts on Saturday, January 6th and runs through uh, March 3rd. I don't know if that's Saturday, Saturday or Sunday. March 3rd um, at 1.30. And those are lectures that are given in the, one of the theaters at the Museum and Visitor Center. Um, those programs are free of charge, but it is a first come first serve because they are relatively popular. Uh, so interested individuals would wanna come into the Visitor Center in the morning, opens at nine o'clock in the morning, and just get a free ticket from, from the ticket desk. And then they can enjoy the battlefield and come back at, uh, at 1.30. Uh, this way that they have that ticket, right? And they come back uh, and make sure that they have a seat. So, so we don't wanna have 
too many people for not enough, not enough seats. Um, so that, that winter lecture series has become very popular. Uh, we have speakers from in-house, uh, numerous different elements, uh, divisions within uh, both Gettysburg and Eisenhower will be speaking. So park rangers, uh, our biologist is going to be speaking. Um, also historians and authors from other parks and, and other um, establishments. I believe we have someone from either the Library of Congress or the National Archives is, is coming to, to speak as well. So it, it's, it's a very well attended and very popular event. That starts January 6th and then uh, if I may turn my page here, we experimented with a, with a project last year called Sensory Friendly Day. And Sensory Friendly Day is time set aside uh, for, for two hours where visitors can come in for free and go to the cyclorama, the painting, the, the big uh, circular painting, as well as the museum. Uh, the Museum of the Civil War, and all of the noise, all of the lights, all of the narration, all of the things that would be maybe overwhelming to anyone who has sensory issues, um, they can come in and enjoy the cyclorama painting, lights up, no narration, no special effects, and just soak it in. Same thing with the museum. There are a lot of uh, films that are running and, and sound effects and, and certain, thing, yeah, certain things, flashing lights in some cases. And so these sensory friendly days, uh, we, we're, this time we're, we're doing two. Uh, one on January 13th and the second one on February 10th. And information about all of this is on our, is on our website, but it's two hours in the morning uh, on those two days, free of charge, and everyone is welcome. It's, it's not just for those who, who would have special, uh, special requirements uh, or, or certainly would, would benefit them. It's open to the public. Come on in. If you want to see the cyclorama painting in a very quiet, calm, peaceful atmosphere with the lights up and you can just take your time and walk around and, and look at all those interesting little nuggets that are sometimes hidden in, in the, either in the painting or in the diorama in front of it. Take your time. Same thing with the museum. Take your time. Just walk. Relax. Uh, there's also uh, uh, different touch carts where, where, you, where kids and families can, can reach out and touch different pieces of, and all of this is reproduction, uh, ammunition, uh, uniforms, stuff that the soldiers would have had with them, uh, a musket, see how heavy it is and, and actually hold something like that in their hands, and also a quiet space uh, off in one of the, uh, one of the side rooms of uh, the museum and visitor center where other presentations are usually held, but quiet space. So these sensory friend, we, we did one and it was very well received uh, last, uh, last, last winter. Um, and this time we're doing two of those. Uh, but there's also uh, three more um, special education programs. Uh, one for the visually impaired, one for hearing impairments, and one for English language learners. 
So we are really beginning to, to broaden uh, the spectrum and try to get as many people involved as possible because it's, it's the people's parks. Mm -hmm. you know, the, the national parks belong to the people and, and we, we'd like everyone to have an experience and so we're trying to, we're trying to pull in um, and, and give that opportunity to as many people as we possibly can. It's kind of a, an offshoot of what we're doing physically mm -hmm. at Little Round Top. Right. Where we're bringing uh, accessibility to as many people as we can so that they can have that experience. Yep, and not only just so they could have that experience, but they could have that experience through a different method, Absolutely. a different way. Uh, is there anything else that you would like us to know this time, or are you going to hit it the next time we come together? You know, we covered a lot of ground. There's still a lot to cover. I, th I think maybe under those uh, circumstances, maybe we, we wait until, until next time. Um, but yeah, there's, there's lots of things that, that we're very proud of, of, of having taken place in 2023, but there's just that many more things that we're looking forward to in 2024. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll mention one thing. Um, we, we, were, we were looking to try to do this last spring, uh, and that was open some of the homes on the battlefield for uh, basically a, a vacation lease, where, where you would come in uh, and, and come into the, to Gettysburg and be able to stay oh, get out in, yep, in, in a number of, wow. the ho of, of the homes on the Gettysburg battlefield. And that, we, we hit a bit of a bump in the road and we kind of had to go a different direction. I'll save you the, the long story of government processes and how things work. But uh, we are hoping to have two of them ready to go sometime in the spring, kind of on the same timeline as, as Little Round Top. But we're talking about the Slider House and the Bushman House. Both of those are on the southern end of the battlefield, uh, kind of in the shadow of the round tops. Uh, so, so the Bushman House is the one that's very easily, you're able to see it uh, from the Emmitsburg Road, uh, from South Confederate Avenue, uh, there at the picnic area. It's, it's in that part of the battlefield. And then farther down that same driveway, a little bit farther down, down the hill uh, is the Slider House. So those are the two that we're getting very close to. In fact, some of the, fi the finishing touches are being put on the Slider House now um, and we're just we're slowly but surely getting those ready to go and once we have all of the ducks lined up visitors will be able to have a, another layer of experience on the Gettysburg battlefield and they'll be able to stay in either the Bushman house or the slider house that's amazing yeah oh. the, the demand for that mm -hmm. how are you going to deal with that uh, is it going to be like lottery or <laughs> no it, it's 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 gonna it's gonna work just like uh making reservations for a hotel online or or a bed and breakfast online something like that um we actually tried this as, a, as an experiment kind of like the sensory friendly that that worked really well and we got such um, good comments about last year uh, we did the same thing with bushman a few years ago and then the pandemic hit and we, we used that time to evaluate how well the experience was for the public at Bushman. And we realized maybe we need to, to look at this on a broader scale. So we're beginning to pull in a couple other houses kind of one at a time. And here's the, here's the, here's the, 
the good thing. And this is, this is the message that maybe I want to leave everybody with concerning these, um, these leases for, the, for these historic houses. All of the money that is brought in, the only way that we can use it is to spend it back on other structures. That's it. We, we, we can't use the money for anything else. So the structures are essentially going to become self-sufficient, hopefully, over the course of out years. So the money that's brought in can only be used on uh, rehabilitation or upkeep of structures. So the structures, the money that comes in from those two structures is going to help all the other structures across the battlefield. I'd like, and, and that's the only, that's, that's it. That's the only money, that money that comes, that's the only way we can use it. Okay. Let me be very clear. And, and, and that's awesome. I mean, this is very strategic. Yes. So I went down for July 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th mm -hmm. every year. Yes. To stay in one of those houses. Yes. You got me signed up already? <laughs> I'll, 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 do, I'll, do, I'll do my best. I can't make any uh -huh. promises. I know. I, I could just see that as being extremely successful and, 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 and in demand. And what experience that would be to be able to stay in that place. And, uh, you know, but uh, uh, Jason, there, there's so much more that we could talk about. There's so much that we will be talking about. Uh, community media has, uh, had a very successful 2023, thanks, thanks to the effort of our volunteers and our viewing audience, and we are positioned for uh, uh, a great 2024, Jason, as I can brag about community media a little bit. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it's all about networking and connections, yes. which makes, it's, it's, it's in uh, uh, Ralph Serpe's uh, from the Adams County Community Foundation, um, uh, we had an opportunity to interview him, and he gave me us um, the uh, uh, building blocks to making a great community and that means you get connected you don't come home and go in the house and close the doors and let the uh, uh, garage door comes down you find out who your neighbors are you you talk to your neighbors you get involved with a nonprofit you you volunteer mm -hmm. for the National Park Service and um, I know one of your goals, Jason, for 2024 is um, um, to celebrate the community uh, connections with the local community. Um, we have so many people that come to this area uh, because of the history, and they, they end up volunteering and yeah. becoming part of organizations that make our community better. And we have a lot of people who were born and raised here and just love it. And uh, I think, uh, well, we're very lucky here uh, in Adams County to have individuals like yourself uh, um, giving your skills and your talents to make us a better community and showcasing our history. So thanks for choosing us. And uh, we're very lucky that the Park Service has the, the uh, um, uh, community uh, working atmosphere it does that uh, supports the people that work for them and, and encourages the community involvement. Thanks for coming and sharing that. Thank you very much yeah. for having me. And uh, thank you for viewing uh, this segment of Open House where we had uh, 
a great opportunity to sit down and talk to Jason Martz, the communication specialist at the National Park Service. I hope you had as much fun as I did, and, and uh, uh, I'm excited to, to watch the progression of the, the Park Service. So um, thanks for watching, and from community media to your family, we wish you the best. Um, be kind, and remember, you are the best.